The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. I want to say a big thank you to all our listeners for joining us today for our very first program. We're so excited to have the topic of recovery broadcasting on Unity FM, and we're really glad that you're here with us today for this first show. And We hope that you'll become a Spirit of Recovery fan on Facebook and be part of our online community. Every week we'll be talking about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. People who are in recovery themselves or who work with recovering people. We're going to be bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that will get you thinking. You'll find that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person in recovery from addiction of any kind, if you're a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, or if you're someone who simply wants to learn more about the process of recovery, the Spirit of Recovery welcomes you in your participation in our discussions. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and trained also in addiction counseling. I'm the minister of Soul Matters, a consulting ministry that's a professional resource for spiritual communities, recovering people, and counseling professionals. And also, I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, and those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development almost 30 years ago. At that time, also, a friend of mine who was in 12-step recovery gave me a subscription to Unity's inspirational magazine, The Daily Word, and ever since then, my path has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And these principles have really changed my life, and so I'm excited to share these ideas with you and to hear what your experiences are with spirituality and recovery. On every show, we're going to be giving away a recovery book from Hazelden Foundation, and you can find them on the web at hazelden.org. That's H-A-Z-E-L-D-E-N.org. Today's book that we'll be giving away in the second segment of our show is called In God's Care, Daily Meditations on Spirituality in Recovery. It's written by Karen Casey, who's written so many wonderful spiritual books out of her own deep involvement with her positive spirituality. The book also has in it, we'll put in it, an inspiring bookmark by the Unity artist and writer Barbara Bergen. So in the second segment of our show, be the second caller and win this beautiful book. Today we're going to be talking about the topic, spirituality, the heart of recovery. And joining me, I have a very special guest, Dennis the Minister. Dennis is an author, a Unity minister, a recovery chaplain, a former radio co-host, and a recovering person. And Dennis will be sharing with us today the ways that he combines unity, spirituality, and recovery principles, both personally and in service to others. An important part of Dennis's ministry has always included supporting people in recovery. This has taken many forms. He has guided into treatment or 12-step programs people who came to him seeking his help as a minister. 
He's taught classes as part of this church ministries that combine recovery and unity principles. He's made sure that the churches that he served were always available for 12-step meetings. And he's counseled people in recovery that were facing life challenges or simply looking for deeper spiritual experience. Dennis serves as a chaplain for the Doorway to Recovery. This is a program of 13 recovery houses. These are places where people who are entering into sobriety have a safe and sober environment to live in. And for three years, Dennis was um, also the co-host of the radio show, Doorway to Recovery, sponsored by this program. He's authored two series of articles for the Mind, Body, Spirit Guide magazine, one on Unity's 12 spiritual powers and one on the spirituality of the 12 steps of recovery. And currently, he's working on a book about spirituality and recovery. And most important, he celebrates 24 years and plus as a recovering person. And Dennis has been a colleague and a personal friend of mine for many years. And his honesty and his commitment to his ongoing spiritual growth always inspires me. So welcome, Dennis. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Anna. It's good to be here with you. It's a privilege. Yeah, thank you so much. And I know that you're going to have a lot to share with us that's going to inspire our listeners and uh, help them along on their uh road of recovery or their interest in the recovery process. And so as our topic today is spirituality, the heart of recovery, we know that uh, today we almost take it for granted that spirituality and recovery go hand in hand and that when a person is recovering from addiction, that means that they're going to have to get serious about spiritual growth. Um, it wasn't always like that. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But I want to start off on a personal note and ask us, if you would, um, to tell us a little bit about how you got in recovery and how your life changed and uh, what spirituality had to do with all that. Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. You know, I was of a different faith when I, when I first uh, found recovery. I was 26 years old when I went to my first AA meeting, and I looked around the room, and I thought, golly, all these old people here, man, I can't be one of these. And uh, I stayed sober pretty much on my own for about four or five years. And then I had a hiatus, and for about seven or eight more years, I you know, had my fill. And I hit that bottom, that proverbial bottom that we do hit, and at that point, you know, uh, as I've told you in the past, I had a spiritual awakening. And you know what I realized today is that what happened was I recognized the factors that were, were uh, I guess you might say, messing with my thinking. And uh, I recognized that what I was was I was a slave to my own urges and compulsions and thoughts. And I didn't know how to get out of that. And I walked up this set of stairs, and I had an uncle at the top of the stairs, and I went to this 12-step meeting. And... I remember saying to myself, my name's Dennis, and I think I belong here. And I said that out loud, and my uncle laughed, and my brother was sitting next to me, and they both looked like, yeah, you're right on time. You sure in the heck do belong here. You know, and that was when I began to understand that I wasn't in control of much, you know, that I did have a problem, a serious problem. And I was certainly not the master of my own thoughts, my own thinking. About four months later was when I found unity. And the thing that brought me to unity was recognizing that there was a spiritual component to my life that I never saw before. And I saw that twice. I saw it in the 12-step recovery program, and I saw it from a unity licensed teacher. And when they began to speak of spirit, it began to sing to me, really sing to my heart. You know, the the things that uh, clearly reminded me of the powerful support of spirit were, uh, you know, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm just, I am really grateful that these components came together in such a way that I could recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many interesting and rich um things that are in your story that you just told us, Dennis. And one of the things that stands out to me is this sense, uh, I don't know what we'd want to call it, if it's a a sense of of being split or a sense of 
having two components to you or, or what words you might use, but this sense that there was some aspect of you that was out of control that uh, couldn't do things in a way that worked, that was taking you down a, a very destructive path. But then you awaken to this other aspect that you've just called spiritual, and it was almost like opening a door to a, a whole different aspect of yourself. How, how yeah. would you frame that? How would well, you say that? Well, that? That, that was framed in uh, coming awake from a drunken stupor sort of effect. You know, I woke up. And I looked, and as I've told you many times before, Tammy Faye Baker was on television, and God love her. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was crying, and she she was sitting there telling me that you know I was just loved, and God just loved me, and all that. And under my normal circumstances of you know being the skeptic and the uh, addict that I was, uh, I would have poo-pooed that you know in no uncertain terms with some good, healthy, negative vocabulary. But instead mm -hmm. of doing that, I stopped just for a minute and I looked, and all of a sudden I realized that, you know, all the all the little things, all the little secrets I had, all the little stuff that was piled up on the inside, it was just as ugly on the inside of me as it was on the outside of her. She stood there crying, you know, with her mascara going down her face. And, I, I you know, I kind of fell to my knees and crawled across the rug going, oh, dear God, help me. And I hadn't asked a higher power for help in, you know, 15 or 20 years at that point in my life, unless it was, you know, in a foxhole in Vietnam, maybe I asked for some help. But, you know, not not from the standpoint that I was in union or communion with uh, spirit. And I, it just didn't happen. I lived a life of separation. I thought I was separate. That was my thinking. And all of a sudden, here's this power that's beginning to change my beliefs. And to this day, I am grateful. And it, you know, she and I don't, or did not, when she was living, agree on much. But one thing we agreed upon, and that was the power of God. And uh, I've always respected Tammy Faye Baker for that. She trusted God, and uh, I, I always want to remember her in a good light because. Holy Spirit moved through her that day, and Dennis had an awakening that said, there's something wrong with you, fella. And prior to that, I ran around going, leave me alone. There's nothing wrong with you. It's the rest of you guys that are messed up. You know, and that change that change happened, like I say, about 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was great. It was just, I look back on it, and it still kind of brings water to my eyes, you know, like, wow, that really happened for me. So I am I am truly grateful. It, within yeah. 24 hours, I was sitting there at a 12-step meeting telling them I thought I belonged there. Mm -hmm. It just took so a your day. Life, it just took one day, and your life turned uh, completely around. Not that all your problems were solved in that 24 <laughs> hours, I'm sure. <laughs> Not hardly. <laughs> but you were set in a whole different direction. Yeah, I was no longer in that bondage. There was a sense of liberty. There was a sense of freedom. And it didn't have to do with me being in control anymore. It had to do with me letting go of the old thinking and moving towards the new thoughts, you know, however they came. And I, I remember my sponsor gave me a little notebook to carry in my upper pocket. He said, every time you think of something, a poem or something beautiful or something nice, Write it down in this little book. See if you can't become more positive. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was, I'm sure, very different from how you'd been before. Oh, yeah, it, it was. But I was still using the old way of thinking. You see, that temporary sponsor who told me about that book, carrying the book, Mm -hmm. he, he wore a Super Bowl ring. He was an NFL football player. <laughs> mm. so, so it was like, well, I'm going to listen to him. He's one of my heroes, you know. So my first right. higher power was an NFL football player, I guess you might say. But no, mm -hmm. he, he had known me since I was a kid, and he was a college All-American and a bunch of stuff like that, you know. And he was so now 11 or 12 years older than I am, you know, and he was a big local star when I was a kid growing up. So God bless him. He was there too. You know, he was, he was right there and told me what to do. That's the part that amazes me about spirituality is, you know, when, when you're ready, it's like the teacher just seems to appear. Right. You had two profound teachers. You had Tammy Faye. You had this temporary 
NFL football star uh, uh, temporary sponsor. And Mm -hmm. it's amazing that in your conscious mind, you weren't asking for that. But somehow, somehow you were open to that. Somehow that you drew that into your life that you were ready. Yeah. And, And... Spirit manifested in your life exactly in the form that you needed. I remember many years ago going to uh, Unity Village, and uh, they had 12-step meetings up in this room. And I was going to the 12-step meetings in the evenings, but during the daytime I was taking a class, and that class just really rang true for me. And you may have taken it too. Do you remember the class on paradox? Yes, that was it. And that, I think, is what really began to help me uh, in in my recovery because I could look at those early steps and realize there is a true paradox here. I'm still pretty shaky, but every time I start thinking differently, every time I start accepting the fact that I need to surrender this to a higher power, things begin to improve in my life. And uh, I... I you know, I, I remember how powerful an impact that class had on me and yes. the teacher that taught it. So, you know, I got it from, from there at Unity Village. I received it through the 12 steps and uh, people that I met there who eventually uh, became fellow Unity ministers. And God love them. One just passed a few years ago. And these were people that influenced my life. Uh, a lot during that period, and yet each one of them told me the same thing, which was slow down and follow, you know, follow the path, you know, mm-hmm. clearly reminding me that the support I was looking for was dwelling in my own heart. It wasn't a million miles away. The answer was in me, and that was what I liked about the 12 Steps of Recovery. It's also the reason that uh, that I was so drawn to uh, the Unity Principles. Right. Thank you so much, Dennis. We're going to take a moment right now to switch gears slightly. We're going to take our Serenity Minute. We do this every week. It'll just be taking a moment to be refreshed by turning to that spirit within that you were just talking about. And um, so right now I'm going to invite everybody to simply relax for a moment to begin to... uh, Settle down and to allow your mind to get focused and to get quiet. And our idea that we're going to focus on today is this one. I will look at today as a day full of promise with hope and gladness in my heart. I will look at today as a day full of promise with hope and gladness in my heart. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Dennis, for joining in with the Serenity Minute. And thank you, Dennis, so much for being so honest, so candid, so open, telling us about your recovery journey. We know that language of the heart is what heals the heart, and so we appreciate it. Thank you so much for all that you're sharing with us today. We're going to take a short break right now, and when we come back, my guest Dennis and I are going to be talking about the history of the recovery movement and how it is that spirituality became such an important part of it, of the modern recovery movement, and how unity and other new thought philosophies got to be part of that mix. Also, remember that in the second segment of our show, we want you to call in with your questions and your comments and to be the second caller and win that recovery book. The phone number is on your Unity FM window on your computer screen. Um, It's also 888-55-U-N-I-T-Y. Stay with us and call in in our second segment. We'll be right back.
Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. As Unity FM continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today at www.unity.fm. Many people, like myself, desire more out of life. I want more out of my work, my daily interactions, and my relationships, including my connection with the divine. So when I found Unity House's new book by the Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard called Good Questions, a lot of things started making sense. Dear Tom, how can I believe in the integrity of God if I can't believe in my own integrity? From K.A. in Iowa. Dear K.A., God's goodness is independent of your highs and lows, but lighten up on yourself, my friend. Everybody has gloomy spells in their moral and spiritual life. Everyone makes mistakes. Self-doubt is endemic to the species Homo sapiens. People tend to doubt themselves and to be their own worst critics. All people fall short of their goals. In fact, that's one of the classic definitions of sin. But making mistakes, even really, really bad ones, does not define who you are. You are Imago Dei. The spiritual image and likeness of God, the divine spirit within, is your true identity, now and forever. Dr. Tom's an expert in metaphysical Christianity who is sometimes passionate, sometimes funny, but always ready to tackle the agonizing questions about life and our spiritual path. His book, Good Questions, Answering Letters from the Edge of Doubt, is a must-read for those of us who listen to his show here on Unity FM or read his column in Unity Magazine. Get your copy today online at unity.org and click on the shop link. Can business and spirituality coexist in today's competitive marketplace? Is it possible to apply spiritual principles to the business world? How do we inspire and motivate employees in a complex, constantly changing work environment? Dr. Charlotte Shelton and her co-host Jim Blake discuss spiritual principles in the workplace each week on Good Business. Tune in to learn what business leaders are doing to allow spirit to guide their business practices. Call in with your thoughts and questions on how to bring these two practices together. It's Good Business every Monday at 4 p.m. Central Time right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Unity's online radio, the voice of an awakening world. To join the discussion, call us at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us for our very first show. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is Spirituality, the Heart of Recovery. And my guest is Dennis the Minister. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Dennis. Unity Minister, Recovery Chaplain, former radio co-host on a recovery show, and a recovering person. In this segment of our show, we're going to be talking about the history of the recovery movement and how spirituality got to be such an important part of it and how unity and other new thought ideas influenced the early founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, which really did kick off the modern-day recovery movement as we know it. And remember that we want you to join in the conversation, so call in with your comments and questions, and we're going to be giving away that recovery meditation book. So, Dennis, thank you again so much for sharing with us your personal recovery journey. Um, it, it just makes so much difference to have that kind of candor. And um, 
I know that you're also very interested in the history of recovery and in the history of unity and new thought. So tell us a little bit about what what led up to what we now know as the modern recovery movement, sort of what set the stage for AA to get started and to, to blossom and, and have so much influence as it does today? Well, the, the 12 steps, of course, were invented by uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Bob and Bill Wilson. And Bill, Bill basically had an idea of it. He went up to his room and after a meeting sat down and, uh, what, 35, 40 minutes, he actually wrote them. And the only change is God of our understanding. Other than that, they're pretty well the way that uh, Bill Wilson wrote them when they held that meeting many years ago. And, um, uh, you know, the thing about it is when when I read the 12 Steps of Recovery today, regardless of the group, you know, and how they change it up to fit their group, whether it be, uh, you know, the original, which, of course, came out of uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and the book Alcoholics Anonymous or... Uh, Narcotics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous or Emotions Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, all the various ones, the most important thing that I begin to see in that is a key principle or a key concept and an overview of what what I did get in my ministry studies and I have held to as a practical principle, and that is that God is divine principle and that each one of us is an individual expression of that creative spirit, you know, that we call God or the Holy Spirit, different names. But that what it is is it's both transcendent and eminent uh, at the same time. In other words, the stuff on the inside is the same on the outside and vice versa. You know, we look back and forth, and that creates a mirror for ourselves and what we can come to is a new reality. And the practicalness of the 12 steps of recovery for me is the fact that that brings me to that reality. I see all the many different aspects of a higher power. I see that as good. I see it as spirit, love, substance, source. You know, and uh, it makes a world of difference in my life. So, you know, that that's what AA, I think, came to in the early phases of it. You know, they, they pioneered it. And during that whole time, they kept all the quantities that they saw the, of, uh, you know, the, the Oxford group and the Washingtonians and some of the stuff that they studied and things that they argued about even, you know. Mm-hmm. And what came out of it was 164 pages that they called the text in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, or uh, affectionately by uh, most people in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they call it the big book. Mm-hmm. You know, and historically, that's kind of that's kind of the key for me. You know, there was a guy, and I know you you know of this man. He wrote a book called Not God, a Hazelton book. Right. Mm-hmm. And I Kurtz. read it a long time ago, and that was one of the things that just really impressed me about uh the 12 steps and the early recovery pioneers was the fact that they they didn't really come up with a whole bunch new, but they took like, you know, Oxford group six steps and uh, the four absolutes of of that group and, and, you know, intertwined them in such a way that they didn't, they didn't stand back and go, oh, we can't go there. They went there because those were people that prayed those were people that tried to understand a higher power. Those are people that sought the love of God. And I always respected uh, 12 Steps for doing that for me, although I went through my many phases of being quite secular about it and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, you know, and uh, a bleeding deacon about it, you know, mm-hmm. I, all those things, you know, where I was right and you were wrong. And, and now after, you know, 24 and a half years, I sit and look you know, I was just blessed that, that God gave me the grace to get to that point where where I could uh, try to be an expression of the unconditional love and allow that to come forward because that's what I truly am, a child of the living God. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's historically we see that through the Oxford group. We can see it through... The Washingtonians, which were like, gosh, what, 100 years before AA or 90 years? 
mm-hmm. you know, they were around, and then Oxford Group, and then uh, the 12-step pioneering, and then 1941 and the writing of the article that pretty much put AA on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I use AA from the standpoint of the history of that group and the Lassiter Award and, you know, things like that that they received because of the social program that that they've created for humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the great part to me. And, the, you know, the story of uh, the Rockefellers and different people who said, look, we're not going to spoil this thing with a whole bunch of money. You guys are going to have to earn your way here. And uh, that's been done. You know, there's been a spiritual program. And yet I heard a guy the other day who said, yeah, it is very spiritual, but it's also an anarchy. In other words, there are no so, leaders. It's just... And when I go when I when I go and think about that, I, I have to admit uh, that would be an anarchy. From what I know, you know, experience tells me that that would be an anarchy if there's no leadership. So I find it very interesting that out of that craziness comes a spiritual program that helps people uh, in such a way in so many different areas of their lives: narcotics, alcohol, drug, uh, uh, specific drugs. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, cocaine anonymous, uh, overeating, you know, sexual mm-hmm. addiction, pornography addiction, you know, all these different things, uh, credit card addiction, you know, gosh, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a fa- it's a fascinating history, you know, from, I guess what, November of 34 when Bill had his awakening to, you know, 35 when they founded what we, what is called, what the the alcoholics called the birthday of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Yeah, you bring up a, a number of important points. Before AA came up with those 12 steps, people had seen spirituality as an option of last resort when somebody had an addiction problem. They used to do terrible things to people that had addiction. They would dunk them in cold water or chain them to the wall or just cast them out to, you know, fend for themselves on the street. It it was a terrible disease. Uh, There was some sense that every once in a while when somebody could somehow have some kind of a religious experience, as they called it, that person might get sober. But there wasn't any uh, formulated way. There wasn't any uh, real focus on spirituality as the way to overcome addiction. And to me, that's one of the great geniuses of the 12 steps and and which you point out is that it took what had really just been reserved for the mystics of history to have a Mm -hmm. spiritual awakening, and they put it in such a form that anybody who's uh, willing and able and ready to follow those simple, simple but not easy steps will have a spiritual awakening. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, you know, and it can be either of the, you know, like the massive spiritual awakening or it can be of the educated variety where you study and try and, and try to improve, and you know, the self-improvement sort of stuff. You know, a lot of people mock self-help, but the truth is those are people that are actually trying to be better people. That's right. That's a good you point. You know, the ones who are not trying to be better people are the ones that are busy mocking them. That's a good point. You yeah. Know, and that's... When I when I was when I was first in in Unity, I know you know I you know I had the twelve steps and all that. And one time, I started to mock uh, my wife Reverend Paula for something that she was doing, and she stopped. And we were we were just dating. We were you know we were a year and a half from being married or anything. And she stopped and she looked at me and she says, Dennis, do you realize that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find and put the presence of God in the, right in the middle of my life. And for that, I would be a better woman. Don't you think you ought to not mock me for what it is I'm trying to do so that I can become more whole and holy in the sight of God? And I was just like, uh-oh, boy, <laughs> you say the wrong thing. Well, you know, recovery finally taught me to be honest enough to say, you know, you're right, I'm wrong. And that's one of the things I think that, you know, that I got out of reading the history of the pioneers and different things like that was these guys were trying to find the right way. And even then, 
you know, people would write him letters in New York, and and uh, Bill Wilson would get these letters, but he always suggested he never said, "Oh, you got to do it this way or that way." Right, that's and right. Even his correspondence, and you know, some people know this, some people don't. I think he corresponded at least two times with uh, Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity. Even really? in those correspondences, you know, he was very open-minded and courteous, et cetera. And yet, people say that his 12-step sponsor, a spiritual confidant, was uh, a man from not Kansas City, but St. Louis, who was a Jesuit priest. That's right, so, Father you know, Dowling. You, yeah, and if you look at that, you'll find out that they have a program, the Jesuits have a program of a spiritual path that was set down by Ignatius of Loyola. So there are spiritual people, as the 11th step of what uh, Wilson wrote says, be sure to recognize those people because they can help you along the way. But it takes getting to the 11th step before you really understand what that means, that there are many people out there with spirituality. Right. Would you tell us what the 11th step is, Dennis? Uh, Well, I'd like to, but uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, that's the 12th, right? Mike, yeah, that's the 12th. Conscious contact. No. Okay, Dennis, I, I caught you. I nope. caught you, Dennis. I caught no, you. No, I have intentionally, over 25 years, not memorized the 12 steps so that what I have to do is I have to stop and humbly go back and look at them to make sure that the wording is correct. That's because good. Because otherwise, if I memorize them, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a wise guy and think I got it, got it figured out, and I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good a good point. Part of that uh, humility that comes with... It was my way of learning humility, was to not memorize them, but always have to carry something in my wallet or pick up, uh, you know, uh, the, the 12 and 12 or one of the one of the books of recovery and read it to myself instead of thinking that I knew it. it takes away some of that, that self-centered self-sufficiency. Well, not always. <laughs> well, well, okay, Dennis. But, you know, one thing I uh, want to bring up here uh, briefly is how New Thought and Unity ideas were involved with the early AAs. And I know you uh, already brought up Charles Fillmore. Oh, and yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about how some of those New Thought ideas influenced uh, Bill Wilson and some of the other early AAs. Sure, yeah. Uh, Carl Young, Carl Young tried to instill a spiritual awakening in, uh, a gentleman who shall remain anonymous. As a matter of fact, he did stay in, uh, recovery, but he stayed in with the Oxford group. He did not come with the, uh, AA people necessarily. Uh-huh. And, uh, no one, no one knows for sure whatever really happened to him other than in 1952 they could verify that he was still active in the Oxford group. But he went to see Carl Jung, and, and Carl Jung worked with him, and he thought, boy, i got to figure it out now. And then he went back to the United States within a couple of weeks, as the story goes, and it's in it's in uh, Bill Wilson's writing. Uh, he went to see Carl Jung, and uh, Carl said basically, okay, see you later. And he went back, back to the U.S., came back because he got drunk again. Mm-hmm. And he looked at Jung, Dr. Jung, and says, what am I doing? And... This connection actually comes through the ideas of uh, psychology as well as Christian science, you know, from a religious standpoint. Or the other portion of that were the esoteric thinkers of the, uh, what, 1800s. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those were people, there was a man named Phineas Quimby during that era, and those are the people who began to bring forth the ideas of metaphysics as Charles studied. Of course, Charles studied over a hundred religions. But as Charles Fillmore studied, who uh, who is the co-founder of Unity, and those things began to come up in such a way that there was a pattern to them that many people began to recognize, Fillmore being one of the foremost. Right. And it came to, I think, probably recognition of the the content of the nature of the human spirit, you know, the the idea of body, soul, and spirit being connected in a way that both the grace and the law of God uh, had a direct impact in our lives. 
Right. One of the the ways that that what you're talking about that idea of the interconnection of body, mind, and spirit really stands out to me is in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, the the big book. Uh, yeah. Is that that idea? The the quote is deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Uh, and it goes on. We saw that faith in some kind of a God was a part of our makeup. Um, he was as, and they used he, that's okay, was as much a fact as we were. We found that great reality deep down within us. And to me, that is, that's new thought. Those, that's such, that's new thought language. Perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And Lois Wilson, Charles, um, Charles, uh, Bill Wilson's wife was raised as a Swedenborgian. Which is a, a part of our New Thought heritage. Her actually, her grandfather was a Swedenborgian minister, yeah, and uh, she was raised yeah, the with Brooklyn that. Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. So there's so many connections, and I know you know too some about that connection with Emmett Fox in the early AA's. Emmett Fox, who's a, a great New Thought speaker and writer that we mm-hmm. uh, focus on a lot in Unity. You know some well, things about that. Emmett Fox's book. Sermon on the Mount was used in lieu of this book, Alcoholics Anonymous, that you and I have been talking about for the first few years because they didn't have their own book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they used they used Sermon on the Mount to try and get guys to have some kind of spiritual awakening, which was Carl Jung's idea in, in the first place, you know, of having this spiritual awakening. The contribution that was given to us by the pioneers of uh, the 12-step program uh, Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob Smith, and some of the others, the contribution that they gave to us was the idea that one person helping another and focusing on that one thing of helping another stay sober, somebody's going to get sober out of that. Right. That's the addition. Thank yeah. you so much, Dennis. It's time for us to take our break now, and we'll be back. But thank you again, Dennis, for all that you're sharing with us, and thanks so much for our listeners for being out there. We're glad that you're with us for our very first Spirit of Recovery broadcast. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about practical tips to keep you spiritually growing in recovery and based in all this great historical foundation of spirituality and all the richness of that. We're going to see what that means to us today, how recovering people are impacted by that. And remember that we want to hear from you in our second segment, 888-55-UNITY. And uh, stay with us and be back. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity FM. Unity is designating 2010 as the Year of the Twelve Powers. And throughout the year, we'll be providing you with a variety of free online resources to help you apply one new power each month. This month, we are celebrating order. We affirm, my life is in balance and in order, and all is well. My life is in balance and in order, and all is well. Join Unity on a year-long journey of spiritual discovery and transformation with the 12 powers. For more information, go to www.unity.org and click on the link for the 12 Powers Resource Center. You know you are a spiritual being. But have you ever stopped to absolutely enjoy and be grateful for your moments of spiritual awakenings? Have you ever asked, how do I practice my spirituality on a daily basis? What words do I use after I say I am? What kinds of thoughts am I holding in mind? These and many other reflective questions will be explored by hosts Rev. Norma Rosado and Ruth Canada and their guests every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time on Spiritual Awakenings, It's Up to You, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. 
You're listening to Unity's online radio, bringing you the voice of an awakening world. To join the discussion, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery to our third segment Again, we're so glad you're with us today for our very first show. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is spirituality, the heart of recovery. And my guest is Dennis, the minister. Hello, Dennis. Author, unity minister, recovery chaplain, former recovery show radio co-host, and a recovering person. Um, And in this segment, we're going to be talking about practical tips to keep... uh, you growing spiritually in recovery, or if you're just somebody interested in recovery, it'll help you too. And um, know that we do want to hear your your comments and your ideas and your questions, so give us a call at 888-55-UNITY. But before we go to our topic with Dennis, I do have something I want to bring to mind for you, and that is that September is Recovery Month. That's September every year is Recovery Month. And you can look on the web at www.facesandvoicesofrecovery.org, just spelled out, all small letters, facesandvoicesofrecovery.org. And you can see various activities, and also you can register your years in recovery on there. And today I got an email from them that said they have 5,500 years of recovery registered so far. So put your years in. Okay, so we're back to Dennis and practical tips. So Dennis, I know that um, you are a chaplain with the Doorway to Recovery uh, sober house program, a recovery house program. So tell right. us about that program and how you are support those folks spiritually. How how are you a chaplain there? What do you do? Well, some of it, some of it, I'm a mother. Some of it, I'm a father. Sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know how that works when you're dealing yeah. with people that are fairly raw. Yeah. But at the same time, what I am is I'm the person that they can go to, particularly the ones that feel an affinity towards some sort of uh, laity in their life or, you know, spiritual religious person in their life. Mm-hmm. And yet most of them uh, figure out pretty quick that I, I'm not there to give them, you know, necessarily uh, a dogma or a doctrine or some kind of creed or something like that. But what I'm there to do is I'm, I'm there to remind them of who and what they really are, you know, that they are those things that, that I spoke of. They they can be generous. They can be filled with faith. They can have, uh, you know, support through, you know, some kind of spirit of goodness that is in their own heart. You know, and uh, I try to keep it out of the realm, let's say, of uh, religion, although I'm not afraid to let them know that things like uh, you know, uh, think, think, think is be, be transformed through the renewing of your mind or something like that, that there are religious backing or authority in some of the things that I, that I try to teach them or tell them. I, I do a lot of one-on-ones, uh, with people, uh, and, uh, I don't as much anymore, but I used to, uh, I used to deal with, uh, Mark and, the judges and we we would twelve step. We would go out and meet with parents and uh, young people that uh, you know had just really harmed themselves to see if they would at least come in and give it a try, right? You know, and see if we could get them going in the right direction. And our model, our plan, isn't to take them completely out of the world, but to <laughs> to give them a place that they can afford. It's you know, one of the biggest problems is the prohibitive factor of, of, you know, of recovery. 
And if a person doesn't need the long-term treatment, if they can do it without the long-term treatment and do a little what you might call barebacking, it seems to work better. Right, so you these know, are for, folks for that those are, people. Yeah, they're in outpatient treatment on a daily basis, but living in this sober environment, right? Right, and they have requirements to go to meetings, and if they don't, if they're not called to go to outpatient, in other words, the courts haven't said anything about it, not all of them go. Some of them volunteer just to come in <clears throat> to have a roof over their head. Uh, some of them come in with jobs and cars. Mm-hmm. But they've destroyed their lives to the extent that they need to get it together. Right. And <clears throat> those we send directly to uh, uh, the 12-step meetings, you know, the NA or the AA or whatever they need. Right, right. You know, so we, what we try to do is modify a plan that the family can somehow afford. I mean, we, we charge all of 105 bucks a week, and then they have to to buy their own food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, it's not easy. Right. So this is a very, very practical spirituality that you're Excuse working me. with there. Sure, It's not got... easy, but uh, many people, if they can just have that much of a leg up, can turn it around. And a lot of other people, they go into courts and they look at the judge and they go, Judge, I need help. And this is a way of getting those people some help where they can be monitored and the judge knows what's going on, and uh, that's been successful too. Right. And those are a couple of the ways that we do do it. And it's been, it's been very successful about the last three years. At first it was a bit of a struggle, but it's up and running and uh, been running now for about seven years. First four was a little tough. I remember... When Mark opened up the first house, he came to my office and told me he bought this building. We went out there, and we held we held a we had a campfire and we put it in the backyard of this house, and had about six guys around the campfire plus about four or five volunteers, twelve step volunteer people, and we use a lot of twelve step volunteer work. And we just sat there with these fellows and let them know, hey, it can be okay. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, somebody will come up to me and go, hey, you're Dennis the Minister. I remember you from four years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you do know that eventually some of them do make it, you know, by God's grace. It's really cool. Right. You know, but it's it's strictly volunteer. You know, right. We, you we see a lot of miracles from real what? practicals. You see a lot of miracles. We oh, do. Oh. Yeah. Well, we call it poor man's recovery. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although nowadays we do have like, I think it's ten houses that are men and three that are women's. Right. So it's poor men's and poor women's poor recovery, women's. but it's yeah, it's an excellent program. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful program, and I uh, have met Mark, the man who started it, and I know that his motivation is spiritual; that he wanted to give back. And, and to be a, a spiritual inspiration and a spiritual support in very practical ways for people to get in recovery. So yeah. God's at work for sure. Yeah. Mark is a, <laughs> Mark is by nature a hustler, and God said, okay, I'll teach you how to hustle. You won't make as much money as you used to, but I will teach you how. And uh, Spirit has moved in him in a beautiful, wonderful way. And that energy, that desire to do something is just... You know, he's covered up in it. It's all over him. He does a wonderful job. That's right, yeah. and that's God. That's what we know in unity yeah. is that as we're expressing those natural talents, that God, their spirit within us, God expresses through us as us, and and that's why we are who we are, so we can use it all in the service to the good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in your church ministries, I know, too, that you've taught classes and you've, you've uh, written I these did. articles. Yes. Yeah, I spent I spent about three or four years, and what I did was I did a series of 12 steps. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm probably going to convert into the book. But what I did was I did a series of, you know, of teaching meditation. We start out with meditation. We do, and I did uh, Emmett Fox and uh, the Lord's Prayer one time, and we do a 10 or 12-minute meditation and just sit quietly and with some nice music. And then once that was over, then what I give is about a 40, 45-minute talk and it would end at about five till, and then there was a twelve-step meeting in the back room of the church, and everybody 
that came to that that needed it would go to the 12-step meeting and the others would head on home. So from 7 to 8 for like three years on Wednesday nights, I just constantly did that. Right. So you've really done... Finally, I wore out on it, I admit. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Right. So you really help people put together the unity principles and the recovery principles. That's that's fabulous. I would teach the 12 steps of spirituality, and then I would teach the 12 steps of... Uh, or the the twelve powers of unity as principles, you know the uh-huh. the the divine principles of of uh, humankind, you know. Right. And it worked well, great. That's great, Dennis. Our time's at an end today, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for all that you shared, and thanks so much. You've opened our hearts today and given us a lot to think about. And thanks for who you are and for all that you do to support recovering people. And thank you to our listeners for being here today. Uh, Be sure to become a fan on Facebook. You can find us easily through the Unity FM website. Thank you, um, listeners. Yeah, and join us next Tuesday when our topic is Finding Yourself in the Silence. My guest will be Reverend Paul Tymon, and he's a student of the perennial philosophy and has been giving silent retreats for recovering people for over 25 years. We'll be talking about what prayer and meditation really do for recovery. Thank you again, Dennis, and thank all of you for being part of our first broadcast. Keep listening. Our shows are archived. Come back next week and remember to keep your spirit growing in recovery. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. people who consider themselves spiritual believe that they have had a hand in manifesting what happens in their lives. However, few people realize the powerful influence of the physical environment in which they live and work. Join Jill Angelo and Kathy Botsford as they guide you in transforming your current living or working space to one of peace and comfort and gain a greater understanding of how a small change in your external world will create a big change in your internal one. Tune in Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Central Time for Creating a Space of Grace right here on Unity.fm, the voice of an awakening world. My faith brings results. By focusing on my blessings, it's easy to prove my faith. As I pay close attention, I notice the small gifts that come my way. A smile, a word of thanks, the sun breaking through the clouds, a succession of green lights on my drive home. These little blessings add up as I choose to focus on the daily miracles in my life. It is the everyday moments and my present awareness in those moments that define my experience of life. They reflect where I focus my attention and energy. I choose to focus on Spirit's unfailing presence. I have faith that whatever I need is here with me right now. I have faith that every prayer is answered. I have faith that with Spirit, all is well. Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. 
It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.